Hey guys, it's a great day to live for Jesus. My name is Pastor Mike Grover, and this is the In the Word podcast, a twice-weekly devotional journey through the New Testament, where together we will stop, look, and learn what the Lord has to say to us today. Today we are in Matthew chapter number 17. And so Matthew chapter 17 is, man, just a wonderful chapter And we're going to focus in on one of the key events in the life of Christ, and that's the transfiguration, where Christ uh, appeared in all of his glory to his inner circle. And that's at the beginning of Matthew chapter 17. And so I'm going to go ahead and begin reading this morning in Matthew 17 and in verse number one. The Bible says, And after six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brings them up into a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment, or his clothing, was white as the light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Love that phrase, it's good for us to be here. If you will, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he yet spoke, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him, or listen to him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were terrified, sore afraid, terrified. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man except Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man is risen again from the dead. Now, a little bit of background, because before we want to get into a passage, we want to browse the background before we discover the doctrine and then practice the principles. But browsing the background, the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, there's been different debate on what actual mountain this was in Jerusalem or in Israel, and no one has really settled for sure, so I don't want to get into a whole uh, conversation on that. If you go to Israel, they're going to take you on a tour to Mount Tabor, and they're going to tell you that's the Mount of Transfiguration, and that was just kind of given this traditional designation through the Catholic Church, but there's not a certainty. Actually, Mount Tabor probably is one of the least um, likely actual appearances, but the Mount of Transfiguration, we see Jesus here literally transfigured, and the word translated transfigured is where we get the English word metamorphosis. He was, uh, he was transfigured into his glorified state. If you read over in the book of the Revelation and uh, how it describes Jesus, this is kind of what we're seeing here. Not in his earthly form as a man, not as the Son of God on earth, but as God, uh, the, the Son in his glorified state, as Jesus the Christ, the resurrected and glorified one. And so he's transfigured before the eyes of, it says, Peter, James, and John. Now, when you see those three names in the same passage, Peter, James, and John, which you'll see them lumped together in the Gospels, you'll also see them lumped together in Galatians, 
the significance of that is of the 12 apostles, Judas being the one that betrayed Christ, so leaving the other 11, these three were his inner circle. These were the three that were in the Garden of Gethsemane with him. These are the three that were closest to Christ that he poured the most into. And then his influence extended out to the 12, and then it extended out to the 70, and then it extended out um, to the others. And I often tell our leaders, you only have so many nubs on your Lego. And if you don't connect other Legos to your Lego, then your influence is going to run out of uh, capacity pretty quickly. Got to bring people along. Got to be developing others. And that's really the model of the master. That's the model of Jesus Christ. So Jesus had that inner circle of disciples. But then an interesting thing, it says that Moses and Elijah were there with him. Now, if you understand the narrative of the Bible, Moses left the scene thousands of years before Christ. Elijah, man, probably, I don't know, 800, 1,000 years before Christ. The other interesting thing about these two is Moses represents the law of the Old Testament, and Elijah represents the prophets of the Old Testament. And often when the Old Testament was referred to, it was be called, it would be called the law and the prophets. So these guys are representing the other side of the cross. They are representing the Old Testament. Another cool thing about these two, when you get to the end of the Old Testament in Malachi, at the last chapter of Malachi, in the last couple of verses, these are the last two people even mentioned in the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah. Another interesting thing about Moses and Elijah is there's no record of either one of their death. The Bible says, well, the Bible says when Moses died, they couldn't find his body. And over in Jude, it says that Satan was arguing with Michael, the archangel, over the body of Moses. So there's this mystery over the body of Moses and what took place. And in Elijah, we know there's no death. He's caught up into heaven in a chariot of fire. And so you have these two significant personages from the Old Testament that represent the Old Testament, and they come on the scene at this Mount of Transfiguration. Man, you say, well, what in the world were they talking about there? Well, Matthew doesn't tell us, but Mark and Luke both tell us. Well, Luke tells us. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 3, Luke's account tells us that we're talking about Jesus' decease. They were talking about his death. And by the way, we're entering into this part in the gospel narrative where Jesus begins to more freely talk about his death. Because if you go back into the last chapter, in chapter 16 and verse 21, and it says, at that time, Jesus began to tell them about his crucifixion. And even in chapter 17, when you get down to verse 12, when they get off the mount, he starts talking to them about his death. So here you have two of the most key people, significant characters representing the Old Testament, representing the side of the cross before the crucifixion, meeting with Christ the Messiah. So you have the law, you have the prophets, you have the gospels. And what is the most important subject that they can speak about together? They're talking about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Now, we learned on Tuesday in the last chapter, when Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Man, we have that awesome declaration of Peter where he said, you are the Christ, 
You are the son of the living God. And now here he is appearing in his glory. He's appearing in his kingdom. And by the way, in chapter 16, the last chapter, the very last verse, Jesus said, I say to you, there are some of you standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And then after six days, here is Jesus appearing. So here is Jesus manifesting his kingdom glory in the middle of his earthly um, wandering. And so here he is appearing in his glory and in his kingdom. And you know, here's Jesus at the absolute highest and glorious moment of his earthly existence. And what does he talk about? He focuses on the cross. Man, the mountain, the mountaintop. The law, the prophets, the gospels, Christ, Elijah, Moses, transfigured, showing himself in his glory. And what's the most important thing that they can decide to talk about and to focus on? It's about the cross. It's about the cross. Man, that is so instructive for us. Man, it's so important. I say this all the time to our staff. We need to stay in the gospel lane. There's so many things pulling our attention um, politically, culturally, opinions, medically, so many things. But you know what? We have a task and assignment as a church that no one else on this planet has. And that's the gospel. That's the cross of Jesus Christ. It's really the answer to all the other things. So why would I come down off of the mountain of the gospel? to be diluted into all these side issues that really their solution is in the gospel. And so here they are, and uh, the law, the prophets, they point to this event. And it's so cool because the cross is the focal point of heaven, and it should be the focal point of every single one of us as well. I love what Paul said in the end of the Galatians. He said, but God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you're in this moment, in this time, and then Peter, who just a chapter early, man, he almost loses his reputation of having foot in mouth disease. You know what I mean? Always saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. But here he goes doing it again. He says, Lord, how about if we make three tabernacles for you guys? Now, it's interesting because in Mark 9 and in Luke 9, it says that Peter did not know what he was saying. It's like Peter was so overwhelmed by this moment, but he just thought he had to say something. You know, there's just times where we just need to shut up. <laughs> we just need to be still. We don't need to say something. Sometimes we just need to let the Lord do the talking. We need to be still and just have that moment and just breathe, and just let God do what he's doing. But Peter says, hey, I want to make these. And so he basically goes from saying, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, to putting Jesus almost on equal footing with Moses and Elijah. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Man, it is not perfection. It is direction. And here is Peter after his greatest moment now, just kind of almost weakening that position in a sense. But he can't even get the words out 
before there's a divine interruption. And sometimes in our life, we need divine interruptions. Man, we're about to drive off the proverbial cliff and God just needs to stop us. And sometimes we don't like that interruption and sometimes we resent it and sometimes we don't even see it as a good thing. But it's God just stopping us. The Father interrupts him with this declaration of Christ's superiority. It says in verse 5, While Peter yet spoke, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Peter can't even get the words out of his mouth about this tabernacle gibberish. And there's some side notes on that we're not going to get into about the Feast of Tabernacles. But here's the point. God shuts him down. He says, Peter, this is my son standing in front of you. You just declared it. Listen to him, what he's trying to tell you. Don't sit here and try to do all this other stuff, and you're trying to make tabernacles, and you're trying to add this stuff. Listen to what Jesus says. Focus on the cross. And there's the declaration here of Jesus' superiority. And as they get up, and it's like God's almost saying to them, as you get up off your faces and as you come down from the mountain, listen to him. Now, what is he telling him to listen to him about? Well, if you jump back to the last chapter, after Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, so good, right? But in chapter 16, verse 21, it said, right after Peter declared that, From that time forth, Jesus began to show to his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Jesus starts explaining to his disciples how, guys, I'm leaving you. I'm going to be crucified. I'm not here to set up this kingdom on earth at this point. But look how Peter responded to him in chapter 16 and 22. Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from you, Lord, this shall not be unto you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you savor not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. So here's Peter. Get this, okay? Wrap it up. Peter says, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God, chapter 16. Jesus starts telling them how he's going to be crucified. Peter rebukes Jesus, rebukes the Son of God. He just told him, you're the Son of God. Peter rebukes him and said, you're too good to be dying, Lord. And what did Jesus say? He said, that's a satanic thought. Because without the cross, there's no kingdom. Without the cross, there is no crown. You see, the problem is sometimes in life, we want a crown without a cross, right? We want the glory without the suffering. We want the risen Christ without the crucified Christ. We want the risen life without the suffering or the crucified life. And so God, and here's Peter once again minimizing what they're doing on that mountain. They're talking about the cross. Jesus is manifesting in his glory the most important thing about his existence on earth. And Peter wants to talk about building some tabernacles. And the Lord just says, do you know who this is, Peter? This is my beloved son, Listen to him, Peter. He's trying to talk to you about the cross. So as you get off from your faces, as you get off this mountain, as you go into all the world, listen to him. It's about the cross. Get the rest out of the way. 
Man, what in your life today is diminishing and diluting the cross? Do you really want to argue with that family member over what political party they ought to be in rather than telling them about Jesus? Do you really want to have that conversation with that brand new person you met today about your opinions on different things going on in the world rather than to talk to them about the cross? No, you don't. Maximize the cross and then come back to those other conversations in light of what it means to know Jesus, right? First things first. And there's nothing more important in our life to talk about than the cross. So the word for the day is so obvious. Listen to him. What does Jesus have to say today about the decisions that you need to make today? What does he have to say about the pain that you're enduring today? What does Jesus have to say about the life that you get to choose to live today? You know what? Listen to him and listen to him in light of the cross, the most essential event in the whole history of the world. Make sure you give it that place of prominence today. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey together through the New Testament.